Welcome to Dawn of Mantis, episode 200. 200, guys. Hey, that intro, Sam, it's amazing. It's kind of a tinge of the old, but it's like high definition. Can you do a high definition audio? I guess you yeah, can. You it's high can. definition high audio. Sam's added so much more to that. Uh, Joe, how do you think that sounds, man? I think it sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm very impressed, Sam. Thank Thanks. you. Revamping it because like you said, 200. 200. Yeah. It's crazy we could BS <laughs> for 200 That's episodes. A milestone. It is a milestone. It's crazy. It doesn't feel like 200. It was like four years and some change, right? Yeah. And we had the original format, but uh, yeah, Dawn of Mantis episode 200. Hell, if you count in all those mini episodes we did a while That's back, true. it's like episode 225. Yeah. But it 20. is. 220. But it is the 200, you know, full length episode. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I started this with just a couple of cents in my pocket and a dream. <laughs> and here we are four years later, 200 and something episodes. Still a couple of cents in still our pocket. a couple of cents. No more being money. And I still got a dream. <laughs> and, and, and I already have to bleep. <laughs> yeah, but we, but now we have thousands of listens under our belt. Sure. I mean, people are actually listening to this thing. Some people do. Do you ever just have like a moment where you're just kind of thinking about the podcast and you're like, people listen to this. Yeah. I mean, just like not 10, not 20, thousands of people listen to this. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Isn't that weird? It's a little weird. I don't know. It's, and then a lot of times when we're recording and during the week when I'm not even thinking about it at all, that's just every once in a while I think about that. It's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why the hell? You know, I, I don't know. It's very much imposter syndrome for myself. I really think that we're being ourselves and we're somewhat likable. And I, I can see why they do because uh, we're quite unique. I will say that. Not that we're good, but we're unique. Yeah. Well, I just imagine, I try to think of what are people doing as they listen to this? You know, I know Ken, a lot of times in Australia, listens to us during his bike rides along the beach. Oh man! But I almost want to. I almost careful, feel like Ken. I almost feel like Alabama was like, "Hello, Pittsburgh Steel yeah. Mill Worker. Let me thank you for your time." <laughs> yeah. It's like, is there some guy hammering yeah. away on an anvil, just pounding out a horseshoe or something, listening to Donna Mantis? Is there a guy or a gal driving an eighteen wheeler across this great United States? I guarantee there are. Like, listening to us, I know there's two at least. Well, my dad's two one of them. Yeah, yeah. At I least think, two truckers. Yeah, I would think truckers would be. In our, our wheelhouse here. Yeah, Oz is another one. And a third, Carl, one of our oldest listeners, not in age, but in terms of how long he's listened to us. Uh -huh. mm, yeah, Last Carl. time I talked to him, he was driving truck for somebody. Oh, awesome. He had listened to every episode and had went back to number one and was re-listening to every episode. Wow. Yeah. How crazy is that? Well, I'm just going to say, Ken, if you're riding your bike, don't get too much into us because I don't want some, you know, seagull to fly out and you're... <laughs> <laughs> laughing at one some of our bull malarkey and you plow into it. I mean, just, you know, 
You be careful, man. We care about all of you. Ken of Australia. Especially Ken and Carl. He was killed in a horrific seagull accident today <laughs> as it got caught in the front spokes of his wheel and caused him to flip over the that's handles. A, that's like an Indiana Jones. Oh, it really <laughs> is. Yeah, the stick. Yeah. They they uh, tried to replicate that in Mythbusters. Well, and, the, and like the birds in the uh, the yeah. prop plane. That's right. With, the, with yeah. the umbrella. Yeah. Man, Last Crusade, that was a great. I love that, man. Uh, so, so great. So great. I, I think that's my favorite Indiana Jones because of Sean Connery, man. The, uh, the dynamic sure. between Harrison yeah. Ford and Sean Connery in yep. that movie was well, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, to me, Raiders has this thing because of the it's the OG, and, and it's just great. I mean, it, I don't know. I have a different feel when I watch Raiders. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit yeah. darker, and the, the Sean Connery one is more of a comedy, I think. There's yeah. way more way more comedy. There is. There. Like, action comedy. Then there's the, like, the straight man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Andy's also kind of the straight man he, sometimes, but sure, also sure. there's a lot yeah, of the kind elements. Of, yeah, bounce back and forth. Yeah. yeah. In Temple of Doom, I, I loved it when I was a kid just Me because too. it was super gory. Uh, Spielberg said he went too far with, with the guy holding the heart yeah, in, his, in the hand and the guy's still alive, uh, which I remember thinking I was getting away with something when I was watching that in my bedroom by myself. I was like, oh my God, this thing's ripped a heart out. If yeah. my mom saw this, she'd be so mad. She'd just throw this thing away. Uh, so yeah, uh, great, great times. And that, you know what? Uh, I'm glad you mentioned something like that. I, I think that's why I like coming here so much is because it's just like somebody will throw out a reference of a movie or a toy or something when we were kids and someone else is going to pick up on it and run yeah. with it. I mean, it's just, we had very similar childhoods, just like kind of locked in our rooms, like just doing all these things. And that's why I think, you know, I, I think our listeners uh, like to either they relate to that because they did that or they just relate to it because they think it's kind of cool. Hopefully mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's fun times, great times. And to go off of that, this is another milestone coming up. Having that dynamic, but also I've only been with you guys for 96 episodes. That's true. Episode 104 was my first episode. So basically half With y'all. Yeah. And our first episode in the studio here. So four more episodes and we're 100 episodes from starting wow. it here. But wait a second. I'm going to say you were like the kid reading the book and never I ending was. story because I you were was. listening to the episodes before you were, you were along with us on the journey I was. way <laughs> before you ever started producing for us and being another co-host. Uh, so yeah, you were with us kind of before in spirit. So I think that's what made him just like step right in. Yeah. Because he was already there listening, you know? So that's amazing too. Mm. Well, you had told us, you, you know, you'd listened to all these old episodes and there were so many times where, we were talking about something and you were like, oh my God, I know that. Or I remember that. Or we were talking about, uh, we were trying to remember something and you, you mm -hmm. had, oh, I had that. So yeah, that's why you fit right in, man. Yeah. You can fill in on those ones yeah. that we, one of us doesn't pick up on. So there's now a third. Yeah. That's amazing. And there will never be any more. Three's perfect. Unless we have guests and guest hosts and all those things that that's awesome stuff too. Uh, Joe, what do you have for us tonight? Tonight we're talking about the original, the OG Superman. George Reeves. I used to watch those. I have too. I've yeah. watched many of them. In reruns, but yeah. Yeah. For sure. Amazing. Well, I bet y'all probably didn't know that old George Reeves, not too long after finishing his role as Superman on television, he died mysteriously. I did know that he died at a young age, but I have no idea what it was, what happened. Well, the official cause of death is listed as suicide, Oh, but we're going to cover that and then you all can decide for yourselves based on our information whether or not it was. Well, like so many other actors, George's name, George Reeves, you know, he didn't start out life with that name. He changed it several times throughout the course of his life. 
He was originally born George Kiefer Brewer okay. on January 5th, 1914 in Woolstock, Iowa. Okay. Now, for our Buddy Holly fans, that's just an hour south of Clear Lake, so in that region. Amazing. George was born just five months after his parents, Donald and Helen, had gotten married, suggesting to me that he was the cause of their marriage, more than likely, right? She's like three or four months in, shotgun winning. Don't do math, but it sounds about right. <laughs> Unless he was born really early. Back then, if you knocked a girl up, pardon my French, you were expected to marry her and spend the next 60 years of your life with her like a good Lord intended, right? Sure. Yeah, that's the way it went back yeah. then. Oh, yeah. But as we all know, just because two folks, sperm and egg, are compatible doesn't mean they are compatible as human beings, right? And George's parents divorced just a few months after his birth. There have been so many kids that laid in the back of a 1972 Buick Skylark and created life. But that doesn't mean that they should spend the rest of their life together. That's right. Following that split, baby George, he stayed with his mother, and she worshipped him. She would also prove to be pretty overbearing throughout his life, a smother, as it's called. <laughs> get it? I do. Isn't that just so clever? I do get it. Is that what it's really called? Did you make that up? No, it's, I've heard it. Oh, that. really? I've you've, never heard that. You've heard it off the Goldbergs. Yes. They, uh, they call okay. Beverly, yes. Beverly their smother. Yeah. See, I've never, called, I've never heard that. <laughs> well, uh, she and him, baby George and, and mom, they bounced around a few places from Illinois to Kentucky before finally settling in Pasadena, California. Oh, wow. Sunny California. Yeah. There she met and married a guy named Frank Besselow, whom she married around 1925. George's father, Donald, also got remarried that same year. And as far as I can tell, Donald, old Donnie, he never had anything to do with his son ever again. Kind of common back in those days. I mean, it's kind of common in these days, but... Yeah, dudes. I don't know. Baby daddies, listen. Baby daddies out there, listen. Take care of your kids, man. Take mm. care of your kids. Yeah. All right. For sure. PSA from Dawn of Mantis. <laughs> I mean, because we do. That's one thing our podcast is about. We're, none of us are deadbeat dads. That's True. for sure, man. Yeah. I'll put my record up against anybody. Yeah. We could almost run for some office, but we never will. Oh, no, we could. Because of this podcast, we could never. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe. Oh, is this the type of guy you want representing <laughs> you in it? Show a random clip of us talking about I don't know what. Oh, yeah. It would be so easy to destroy our reputation. <laughs> Anywho. So George's dad, he gets remarried, abandons the boy and everything. But lucky for George, though, his new stepdad, remember Frank? That his mom just married? Sure. Frank Besselow? Well, his stepdad stepped up and really connected with the young boy, right? He had, the, he had that talk with him where he gets down on one knee and he's like, you know, I'll never be your dad, but I want to be your friend. It's like the one Brad Paisley song I like about the, the dad that didn't have to be or whatever. Yeah. That's is that a, a Brad good, Paisley song? Yeah, that's Brad Paisley. It's yeah. a good song. Yeah, it is a good song. Something, thank you for being the man you didn't have to be yeah. or something like that. Something about whenever the mom would go on a date, it's more like a job interview. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of cool shout out to all the stepdads out there yeah you guys rock the dad that didn't have to be yeah man all right <laughs> all right what are we doing right now we're just shouting out <laughs> some of our stepdads out there <laughs> so you know frank loved george he's like hey you know what you didn't come out of my sack but i still love you <laughs> he probably told him that <laughs> it's probably on his birthday that's cake. what i'd say that's you don't even have to come out of my sack for me to love you i that's love true. you just as you are yeah I'm raising a kid that didn't. There you go. And I, I'd take a bullet. For, I'd take 20 bullets for that kid. 50 bullets. I'd take all the bullets. I yeah. love that kid. Take them all. There you go. 
So yeah, 1927, he adopts George. That's, okay. how, much, that's how much he loved him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for the time being now, we're talking about George Besselow. The new family remained in Pasadena throughout George's school years, and he displayed a talent for singing, acting, and playing the guitar. George was encouraged by his doting mother to pursue all these gifts. And after high school, George went on to study performing arts at the Pasadena Junior College before moving on to the Pasadena Playhouse in 1935. I admittedly had a huge mental lapse. For some reason, I don't know why, for just like a split second, don't think less of me. I was kind of thinking like <laughs> something from Smallville or something. What? Like, did he play football and have like a advantage of, oh wait, no, he's not really Superman. <laughs> just for like a second. We're talking about real life here. I don't know. I just jumped into like, like DC fan fiction. <laughs> That's all hilarious. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, sorry. <laughs> It reminds but me. But I'm brave enough to admit, on 200, I'll just admit that I'm an idiot. Which episode? Uh, not episode. <laughs> well, it's Which? easy to do, Ivan. I it's know, really because, yeah, I'm such a fan of the sci-fi <laughs> and stuff, uh, superhero stuff. Which Superman movie is it where he walks into that diner as Clark Kent and that he's like, he's, to that dude, he's like, you're sitting in my seat. Isn't it number two? two? Yeah, I And the know. guy punches him and it like breaks his hand. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, I've been lifting weights. That or it's at the very end of one. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember really. One, Chris Reeves was an amazing movie. I rewatched it not too many years ago. It's still, I mean, the effects, you know. Right. But I still think it's a good movie. I mean, they made him almost way too klutzy, but maybe that was part of his thing. Like, maybe, maybe they won't recognize me. Yeah. You know, I'm less klutzy and I have slick back hair. And I'm wearing glasses. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, look at me, guys. Look <laughs> at me. Both of you. Watch okay, this. we're watching. Holy shit, who's in studio? Oh, we have a guest tonight. Holy shit, who's this guy in studio? I'm putting my glasses back on. Oh, Joey, you're back. Holy shit, there was another guy in your seat. I thought you had a brother. (laughs) No, your hair wasn't gelled. Yeah, you didn't gel your hair. That would have totally messed us up. Okay, I'll do that next. Yeah. Can we talk about something real quick? I'm going to set my notes aside. What do we do on this podcast? (laughs) Yeah, no talking allowed. (laughs) Hey, guys. This is 200 episodes. Do you mind if we talk about something? You know, we probably you've probably never asked if we could before. That's a, <laughs> probably a first in 200 episodes. Usually just do it. So just talk, man. Don't change after 200. Here we go. Are you ready? Yes. I'm talking about Lois Lane. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? I want you to imagine sex with Superman. <laughs> the, no, the guy can fly. He can lift rocks that weigh 10,000 tons. Can you imagine? I bet he has to pull it back to like I don't want to six percent of his full capabilities. I re- I resent saying yes. We can talk about <laughs> anything, Joe. You're I, I stand corrected, Joe. You should always ask before <laughs> we talk about something. He would have to pull back to like three percent of his full capabilities because if he's the man of steel, my God, my God. Well, just. <laughs> I can't, uh, can I can't comment. On, I can't comment on any of that. But <laughs> like the the vision part, like if he just wasn't in his right mind, and the whole like the where he can like shoot lasers out of his eyes. Remember, his oh that. yeah, he does that. Yeah, doesn't he? Forgot about that part. I do remember reading some stuff about some comic fans, and I and I get what they're saying. Some comic book fans hate Superman because they were like. Yeah, think about this. And and I thought that too. I thought, why would you hate him? He almost has too much. Yeah. 
He has too much. He has that plus the laser vision. Yeah, like, that's like Cyclops. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, eyes. but he that's has X-ray vision. Yeah, but his name is Super. Yeah, yeah, man. But, but and here's the dagger in the whole thing. So much so, so powerful that they had to have a rock kryptonite. Yeah, be a weakness of his. Right. What a, what other superhero has a like a a lame weakness like that? There's not really because they made him too powerful. That's the only thing. But in their defense, way early. He's a way early superhero. So, I mean, they just didn't, they that's really didn't true. have the balance and the rules figured out. Yeah. So I can see that. We're I just going to give people, him everything. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then later on, it's like, well, let's just have less powers where, because I mean, the whole thing about a superhero movie, even today, like you want them to almost lose and then win, not just be so powerful that there's, you know, of course they figured out ways around that in the Superman movies, the Chris Reeves and stuff. Um, they gave them some good villains. But yeah, they just made them a little bit Even in tough. Smallville, they gave them a lot of good villains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I only watched some of those, but that was a good, that was a great show. I loved that yeah. series. Yeah, it was really cool. What was that on like FX or? Uh, CW. Oh, CW. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that, yeah that's kind of way back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Well, speaking of uh, Marvel, let's talk about Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. There was a rock that hey, he couldn't resist that made him very weak for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but he got over it. He recovered. Oh he went, my gosh. All right. <laughs> a crack let's, rock. Let's just get back on track. How about that? Let's talk about George Reed. That's pretty good. That was this, it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, man. <laughs> there was. That was his weakness. Wow. But he overcame. He did. He overcame, overcame it. Speaking of overcoming, when Superman finishes, oh can gosh. you imagine the PSI on that? Like, just imagine. It's hard to get Joe away from us. <laughs> Dude. I talked the whole thing about the history of superheroes. <laughs> Tried to pull it that way. Yep. I'm like turning the wheel left as hard as I can. Joe's grabbing the wheel, pulling it back right, and gets us right back on the on the old uh, on the track. If he, he was on when the he finishes, if it was not impeded by a human being or by anything else, it would probably travel like six miles or something. It would probably be like supersonic. It wouldn't even be safe for the lady. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Can you? He's Superman. Well. It, you know, it's kind of like the Toby Keith song. I don't think he ever hung his hat up in Kitty's place. So I don't think they ever did that. So we don't have to worry you about You don't it. think that Superman and Lois ever knocked Well, boots? from the movie, from the movie, I don't know about comic, I didn't read Superman comic books, but from the movies and the, I mean, perhaps, but I don't know. Can you, uh, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to get off that. I'm going to stop <laughs> talking about that. Well, I've said this to Sam many times before. Sir, I hope you leave most of that in, okay? Right. Here we go. That's what Lois Lane said. <laughs> or did she? <laughs> All right. So we're back to little George, okay? <laughs> He's adopted by Frank in 1927. Then all of a sudden, you know, George, has got all these gifts and his mom sends him to school for all this stuff. He can sing, he can play guitar, he can act. So, uh, he ends up at the Pasadena Playhouse in 1935. Now, going back to Gig Young, he was at the Pasadena Playhouse. Oh, remember? okay, cool. Yeah. I think it was after 1935. It was a few years later. Mm -hmm. Several important things happened to George over these next few years. He was given the lead role in Poncho, the next production at the Pasadena Playhouse, and also landed his first movie role, and not just any movie. George was cast as Stuart Tarleton, one of Scarlett O'Hara's suitors in 
Gone with the Wind. He was cast in it. Yes. Did he play in it? He was. He's in the opening scene of the movie. Wow. The very opening I've seen scene. It. Of the I didn't, I didn't. Well, it's been years. I don't know that would have made that connection. Well, Scarlet is sitting on the porch and there's two brothers, one on either side of her, talking to her. And George, I believe, is the one on the right in the hmm. opening scene of uh, Gone with cool. the Wind. Yeah. Not a bad first role, huh? No, not bad at all. Well, this led to him being discovered by Hollywood casting director Maxwell Arnau, which led to a contract at Warner Brothers Studios. This was also when, for the final time, George would change his name to the one he would be known as for the rest of his life and beyond, George Reeves. He also met a fellow actor or actress named Eleanor Needles, and the two were married in September of 1940. Despite the whirlwind beginning of George's career, however, the next few years were a string of disappointments. He certainly kept busy, appearing in more than 20 films in those two years, but they were mostly B-movie duds and did nothing to advance his career. In 1941, George and Warner Brothers parted ways, and he signed on with 20th Century Fox. But after a handful of films there, he moved on to Paramount Pictures, where he appeared in five Hopalong Cassidy films. Remember oh, them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's in five of those. And finally caught his first major break in the award-winning American War epic, So Proudly We Hail. Never, Never even it. heard of it. Yeah. But just as his career was building steam, George had to put it on hiatus. He went into the army for real when he was drafted in 1943. You know, the whole World War II thing. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that. Yeah. But he wasn't exactly in the trenches in World War II. Instead, he performed in the USAAF's Broadway show, Winged Victory. Huh. After which was just American, like, we're badass propaganda shit. I'm right. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure. After which, he was transferred to the first motion picture unit. Yes, there was a motion picture unit in the Army. Interesting. <laughs> this went on to be known as the 18th AAF base unit and was responsible for making the Army's training videos. Oh, okay. Those are probably really important. Yeah. They are important as well as, holy shit, comedy gold. Did you watch them? We're going to watch one right oh, now. Oh, okay. One of these gems, and I mean gems, with a capital G, which George Reeves was a part of, was called Sex Hygiene. Now, if you, guys, if you guys, oh my God, this is so good. I, I wanted to watch it in real time with you guys on this podcast. And listen to me, look at me. I started watching it. I'm feeling a theme here. It's Ivan. so good. <laughs> I know. Every episode these days, Joe. <laughs> Every one of them. It's okay. It's okay. It's just where we're turning. Uh, Have you gotten laid lately, Joe? You need to get this out of your system so we can get back to work. We just talked about a guy that was like highly addicted. Yeah. Just a few episodes ago. Yeah, there there is kind of a theme, but it's okay. Is this like kind of one of those mystery science theater shorts? I mean, it could be one of these. Now, listen, to anyone listening, if you want to watch this, I will warn you, even though it's from the 40s, it shows ding-dongs and balls. Oh, Lord. No, it does. And it's hilarious. It shows everything. It shows everything. The name of the video, and it's on YouTube, is Sex Hygiene WW2 Training Film 1942. That's what it's called. But because we mentioned this, I wonder if we have to check the box now. Probably so. Because I just directed people. It's on YouTube. It has not been flagged, but there is straight up twig and berries on there. <laughs> Maybe it's... it's- Maybe it's, it's because it's so old. Full on dick and dick and balls. It's it's everything Wait, there. 
It's 25 minutes long. No, no, no. S- go to two minutes and 38 seconds. Start oh, there. Okay. Start there. And we'll just watch it until you guys want to stop. <laughs> As an officer of the Army Medical Corps, I wish to bring your attention to an important phase in the preservation of your health. The Army recognizes the risks present with a large number of men in the satisfaction of their sexual impulse. Oh, satisfaction. The greatest risk is that of venereal diseases acquired during the sexual act. During the sexual act, it says. You will ordinarily not contract sexual diseases if there is no sexual act performed. Ordinarily. In that respect... If there's no sex, you won't get a disease. If not, total abstinence is the best of all preventives. Abstinence? However, in the event of contact with a contaminated woman... Oh, my. You must bear in mind that there are available to you, your own medical corps, specific preventives and cures for specific infections. Mm -hmm. He's swabbing his cheek right now. ...that you cannot see with the unaided eye. And then burning it on a Bunsen burner for some reason. However, if we look through this microscope, oh my. we can see what is meant by a specific And who doesn't germ. close the unused eye when they're looking at a microscope? Yeah, both eyes wide open like a psychopath. Sleeping sickness. Here is the organism which causes malaria. Ooh, malaria. Is that sexually transmitted? I thought no. those mosquitoes. And this, the specific germ of gonorrhea. Oh, that's sexually Well, I guess if someone had malaria... This is the specific germ... And it'll be hooked up with them. Maybe you get it too, really easily. to enter the body, okay. either through the skin or through mucus-lined openings, uh, may destroy your life. I know that those... Mucus that's lined openings sea monkeys. ...through which germs may enter your body are... I had some when I was a kid. The mouth... He's showing a diagram of the mouth and nose. The nose... Yes, sir. Yep. I see. That looks like a nose. And now nose. we're seeing a diagram... And the <laughs> canal... Right. Of the weenus. Yes. Even a slight, unnoticed skin abrasion may act as an open door for these persistent and evil bacteria. Evil bacteria. Some further illustrations are necessary to show you how these germs attack parts of your body. Right. As we go along, let us study the male anatomy. Oh, my favorite part. Most men know less about their own bodies than they do about their automobiles. <laughs> I know that Come line. on. <laughs> All right, there's the wiener. Whoa. Yeah, see, I told you. Here we go. Here we have a diagram of the human body <laughs> showing those parts with which this discussion is primarily concerned. Okay, stop trying to sound so fancy. You're standing next to a dick. First, from the front, the abdomen, the groins. They don't know what these things are. The penis. Sac or scrotum. Whoa, they call it that then? Pubic hairs. <laughs> ah, this shows the guy with his Clark Gable mustache. By this black line. All right. This is what we find. <laughs> the liver. Liver. The stomach. What is that? Yeah. The bowel. The bowels. Yeah. The bladder. Bladder. Note that the penis and scrotum are just below the bladder <laughs> on the outside of the belly wall. The belly wall. I mean, in order to get a side view of the interior of the body, well, let's get a side view. Let us cut this diagram in half. Oh, we One cut the wiener of in the half. The body is now removed so that we may see the inner part. Did they the have to put the pubes on there? It's for orientation. Let us now so you examine know these inner parts one by one. As we discuss them, we will indicate their proper places and functions. You're not even looking at the camera, dude. The penis. Yep, let's see it. The foreskin. <laughs> it was cold that day. 
that part which is removed when a man is circumcised. Well, some men don't, don't categorize everybody. Inside the belly is the bladder. It is the storing place or They left out the anus. The I'm so disappointed. Where's now the anus? The tube which now, carries your water I, from the I bladder to the outside. Mm-hmm. Notice that it passes through a gland at the bottom of the bladder. Oh. This gland is called the prostate. Oh, yes. Yep. You can milk Inside that. Inside the sac, or scrotum, are two glands called the testicles oh, yeah. or balls. Or balls! Even wow. sick balls! Here, because of the cross-section, we see only one of the two identical testicles. Well, yeah, because the other one's on the other side, man. And here, the rectum. Oh, he did include the rectum. And here, the lower spine or backbone. These vulnerable organs may be attacked by one or all of the three types of venereal diseases <laughs> don't catch all of them at the same time and of which you have heard perhaps they've been referred to by several names syphilis pops gonorrhea uh, oh gonorrhea is Shankroid, the clan. or soft shanker soft shanker that, that sounds like a band the diseases these germs <laughs> cause this diagram will oh, show you shanker. that the probability oh. of acquiring <laughs> heavy metal syphilis joke. During a man's life? One in ten. One in ten. One in ten men will catch gonorrhea. This means that by rule of average, if men do not practice care, reasonable self-discipline, they can expect that one man in each ten of their acquaintance will have suffered syphilis in some form during his life. Oh. I wonder if they ever thought that some of these guys brought it to the war. One out of every ten in your acquaintance Anyway, we can stop at any time you want. So showing the anatomy, how does that help you in any way in not catching those diseases? I, I don't get the link. Do they do they talk about it later? I never, I didn't watch it. I don't know. I wanted to I watch know, it with you guys. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay. Everybody know should about, know all that by now. Yeah. You should and, learn all of that in school. It's like, yeah, I know. Well, I'm I'm not gonna do anything now because I know about my anatomy. <laughs> it's like it doesn't make any sense. Can I tell you? Can I tell you, both of you, and everyone listening, that when I was a teenager, they tried to they try to scare you with pictures of venereal diseases and all this different stuff because they want to deter you from engaging in sexual acts sure. with each other. Yeah, their goal is hey, let's keep these kids from diddling each other. Yeah, at least until they're grown up and married. Mm-hmm. But none of those pictures scared me enough to override my overwhelming hormones that just wanted to mate like a, a primal, like wolf or something. They could have showed me anything. They could have been like, 50% of everyone who engages in sexual intercourse explodes upon completion. And I would have been like, I'll take those odds. 50% I'm here. I mean, yeah, I get it. They're, they're fighting a losing battle. But I guess I guess the point is, you know, just to show the stats and maybe you'll make an intelligent decision on how. Sure. Yeah. But I, I, I get what you're saying for sure. I'd have been like, yeah, that sounds very scary, but have you seen Anna Kornikova? <laughs> have you seen her? I, yeah, I'll take my chances. Anyway, I do want to say um, in my notes, I read that George was drafted into the army at 1943. And then this, film that we just made fun of was in 1942. So that doesn't, that doesn't jive. I don't understand that. Sometimes things Well, happen. I mean, it's just like a production. Like, that's the type of stuff that that, the motion picture... Well, George was in that. 
Oh. In the very beginning, we didn't watch it because it was boring, but in the very opening scene of that oh. of that little video, they're in a pool hall and they're all playing pool. And anyway, it leads to the shit yeah. that we just watched. You mean we watched the non-boring part? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I just wanted to narrate the male anatomy. Well, I do time. know because we interviewed somebody for a project one time of the era that went to the movies when he was a kid in the World War II era. And they said that there was always like a, a movie, like a short film. Yeah. And it was like news about news from the Western front. Yes. And that's other yes. than that. I mean, they, they obviously didn't have anything else. And he was saying that's where they got all their news about the war. So I would imagine that unit or a unit very similar were the ones filming all that and then editing it, splicing it together and send it to the movie theaters. Yeah. So, which seems really cool. You know, you go to watch King Kong or something and then you, yeah, you uh, get some news about the war. After leaving the army in 1946, George returned to work as an actor, but it was not a good time in Hollywood. Many studios had slowed production and several had shut down completely. Not only that, but one of George's biggest advocates, a director and producer named Mark Sandrich had died while George was in the army. What followed were a string of forgettable, low-budget stinkers that barely paid the bills. And unfortunately for George, his personal life wasn't faring much better. Uh-oh. His time away at war had strained the relationship between he and his wife, as is often the case. Along with an affair George had with a former showgirl named Tony Mannix. You know, that can throw a wrench in things, mm, too. Never helps. I know our marriage was rough when I was away overseas fighting the Germans. Oh, and also I screwed that showgirl too. And after watching the anatomy video, he should have <laughs> known better. <laughs> yes. She could have been an, an infected woman, as the guy said. But they never mentioned that. They probably did later. <laughs> George and Eleonora, which was his wife, they separated in 1949. So speaking of Tony Mannix, you know, that's that showgirl he was banging that I just mentioned. She was eight years older than George. Okay. That's a switch, right? Usually they go for younger. She was older mm -hmm. and was married to Metro Golden Meyer GM Eddie Mannix. Yes, that's isn't that the one with the lion that roars? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that production company. Yep. Well, she was married to who was at the time the GM, general manager, Eddie Mannix. Big, big dog. From what I found, though, old Eddie, he was a player also, and he had his own mistress. And was not only aware of, but totally cool with, his wife's relationship with George. At this point, in an attempt to revive his career, George headed to New York City and appeared in a few TV shows as well as radio programs, but nothing as significant as what he had hoped for. Soon after this, though, he and his wife officially divorced after a decade of marriage. Mm. To say this was a low point for George would be pretty accurate, but something was about to happen that would change his life forever. Superman. You are right. In 1951, a television series based on the DC comic book hero Superman, entitled The Adventures of Superman, was set for production, and George was offered the lead role of Clark Kent slash Superman. Do you know what DC stands for? Detective Comics. There we go. Sam De Detective, Detective Comics? Comics. They were uh, very much like Dick Tracy-ish, yeah. like oh. crime, like investigator trying to yeah i think that's why batman is yeah yeah he's very much like 
a throwback to the early like detective comics. And That's kind of how it started out. All those murder mystery, right? Detective comics. They were even before all this. Yeah, and I will say the new Batman movie, which I didn't think I'd like, but I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was like he was solving yes. a mystery the whole time. It was. It's very good. Who was Batman in this one? Uh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Was he a good Batman? I didn't think he would, but the way they did it, yeah. it was perfect. Cool. It was real dark, and he was solving the the mystery the whole time. Yeah, it was much more. I felt true to what Batman sure. is. Yeah. Than yeah. just a bunch of gadgets and a. Like, yeah. It had that, but it it just I felt like it was more kind of nostalgic in a way. Yeah. But, yes. Me. But me yeah, too. it is. It, it reminded me more of kind of how the uh, the games are, the video games. Okay. Um, the Arkham games, which I love. Oh, I've never played those, but I've seen, I've watched some people play yeah. it on Twitch, and they look like fun games. Yeah. Speaking, of, I can't do anything like that either. Uh, when the stupid Branson trip that we took recently, the only ride I went on, and I tried to tell my wife, I tried to tell my wife, I said, Jessica, look at me, I can't <laughs> ride rides. I get nauseous, mm. and she talked me into riding the teacups. Oh, how was that? I got nauseous. <laughs> Ours was the only cup that was completely stationary. I had a death grip on that middle thing. I was like, no one move this. We will not spin. And even then I almost got sick. Dude, we I, will not spin. <laughs> I drive a Dodge Stratus. My Stratus. My poor four-year-old was just looking at me and I was like, if you move it, I will, I will literally <laughs> knock you out of this teacup as it moves. I will kill all of you. I will knock you out of this teacup. I was so nauseous. All right, back to George. Oddly enough, this guy, this is this is what's crazy. He almost passed up the role of Superman. Mm, that so been a mistake. At, well, at that time, television was still kind of new. And although George had appeared on a few TV shows in the late 40s and early 50s, um, he was afraid of dedicating his entire career to a series that might be a waste of time. Yeah. Valid concern. Yeah. Eventually, though, he relented. He, he accepted the role and he headed back to California for the show's production. It was no accident that George was selected. He stood at six foot two and had a muscular frame. Back at Pasadena High, he'd been a star wrestler and he'd also trained in martial arts. Mm. George's first appearance as Superman was in a B-movie slash pilot episode titled Superman and the Mole Men. Okay. So yeah, it was kind of a B-movie, but they also used it as the pilot episode. I don't know if that was common back then or what, but that's what they did. Okay. By the following year, the show was a hit and George Reeves was a household name. He was amazed at his success and was very conscious of his new role model uh, status amongst the youngins because he knew most of the people watching Superman, you know, they were kids. Okay. So he started to avoid smoking. He was not smoking anymore uh, out in public because he didn't want his, any of his young fans to see him smoking. It sends a bad message. That's pretty good. I didn't know they really people back then even worried about that. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Is this kind of cool in a way? I mean, he just saw himself as a role model and he didn't do it. Well, even they even smoked on like like Lucy, like yeah, on I, I know, Love Lucy. Yeah. yeah. And the show was brought to you by Philip Morris. Like maybe everything. he was like way ahead of his time. Maybe he was like, just like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't get people gone. Andy this. smoked on Andy Griffith. Yes. Yeah. That so, was really weird seeing that. Yeah. So what was George Reeves like? Oh, I don't want these kids to be able to look cool. So he doesn't <laughs> smoke. Because let's be honest, smoking looks Cool as shit. Norm McDonald has a line about that where everyone that's ever smoked did it because they wanted to look cool. Like just to hold that cigarette. And it worked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, right now, I quit smoking June 2nd of 2014. 
That's awesome. So over six years ago, right? Yeah. If they came out with a cigarette tomorrow that was 100% not harmful and was no, you know, it didn't hurt your lungs whatsoever or impede your lifespan, I would smoke three packs a day. I mean, you could... I'd go right back. You could get one of those fake cigarettes. No. They I'd, sell them. They used to, I remember they sell those at the line at the no. Walmart. It was a fake cigarette just in case you were just addicted addicted to like holding it like that yeah that wasn't me i don't know i just i do miss it but well, they I, say that's part of it yeah the whole motion of holding it is it part is. of the addiction yeah yeah i would start again tomorrow if they came out with something that would not hurt me but alas that's probably never going to exist so the uh the show's a hit right george reeves is superman the show's a hit he's a household name he was like crazy amazed at his own success Remember, he didn't think this was going to go anywhere. He thought it was going to be a, ra- a waste of his incredible talents, right? Mm-hmm. So he like he stopped smoking, which led to that whole rant. He, he stopped smoking in front of kids and in public because he didn't want them to get the the uh, inclination that that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Man, Superman smokes. What brand? You know, <laughs> I bet he smokes cool. But there were, <laughs> but there were Dang. a few drawbacks. <laughs> Due to the show's rigorous production schedule, George had little time for his true passion, and that was being in full-length feature films, not this piece of shit TV show. He, that's what he thought of it. He freaking hated it. Yeah. He hated being Superman. I'm sorry, people, to tell you that, but he didn't like it. Uh, he did manage to appear in a couple of films in 1952 and 1953. Uh, he soon found he, though, was an inexorably typecast as Superman, and George discovered even if he had time for other projects, they were scarce. It was the same thing with Bob Crane and being in Hogan's Heroes. He couldn't get any other work. They were just like, no, you're Superman. You can't be in this rom-com. You're Superman. I'm sad about that, but again, wouldn't that be a nice problem to have? <laughs> no kidding, I'm typecast. Right? I'm making all kinds of money. I mean, most people that are typecast in a role made a lot of money in that role. Yes. Hopefully. Yes. Anyway, but maybe they didn't. I don't know. Just imagine if this, by some miracle, this podcast became ridiculously successful and we were just like not after this episode (laughs) (laughs) or not based off of this episode slam uh anyways no (laughs) and then you try to go like you're like you know what off the heels of the success of our podcast ivan thinks i'm gonna branch out and do this or that and everyone's like oh you're the donna manis guy and you're just like shit you know you're just like inexorably tied to donna manis and you can't rip yourself away from us you're the only the guy that tries to be funny every four to six minutes. <laughs> we can't think of you as anything else. <laughs> Over the next two years, George grew very dissatisfied with his lot as Superman, and he blamed the television role for his lack of success on the silver screen. He wanted to be a movie star. Referring to the producer who had promised to make him a star after he returned home from the war but had died before he could, remember that guy? Mm-hmm. George would often say, quote, if Mark Sandrich was still alive, I wouldn't be wearing this damn monkey suit. Referring to the Superman suit. Mm. After just two seasons, George announced that he wanted to move on, and the producers began to look for a new Clark Kent. Meanwhile, George established his own production company, and its first project was a show he'd created and written called Port of Entry. Uh, I saw porn called that once. <laughs> I knew you are going there. <laughs> Anyway, that was going to happen. It was to be shot in Hawaii and Mexico, but after the Superman producers offered George a lot more money to return to the show, 
about a half million dollars per year in today's currency. George abandoned this project and once again put on the tights and the red cape. So enough money, he still went back. George would go on to star in the show until its final episode, which aired on April 28th, 1958. So he was in it for roughly seven years. George only appeared in one more feature film in his career, and it was a Western called Westward Ho the Wagons. And that was in 1956. Not going to make a joke. I'm an adult. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) He also made guest appearances in two TV shows as Superman. The first was on an episode of I Love Lucy titled Lucy and Superman, believe it or not. Mm. And the second was a children's game show titled (laughs) Funny Boners. Uh Uh-uh. I swear to God. It It was called Funny Boners! It was a kid's show called Funny Boners. Don't look at me that way, Sam. This is freaking history. This is what it was called. It was called Funny Boners. This is what it was called. It was hosted by a ventriloquist, and kids would have to either correctly answer questions or perform an embarrassing stunt. And it was called, everybody all together now, Funny Funny Boners. Boners. Yes. Look it up, bro. I looked it up. Look it up. Figured. Did you, speaking of that, did you ever see the uh, I Love Lucy Superman episode since no. you watched? You didn't ever see that one? No. I, I didn't s- ever see it either, but no. I just figured because you guys watch that show sometimes. I saw the, oh, we watch it religiously and I haven't seen that one. I watched the episode of I Love Lucy with jo- with uh, John Wayne. Oh, yeah. I kind of remember yeah, that. Ricky Ricardo was trying to one. Add, yeah, that's a great one. I've seen all those, man. I Love Lucy is one of the great. It, it aged so well. If you watch I Love Lucy and you don't laugh until you almost pee yourself, something is wrong with you. It is so incredible. Well, we've mentioned it before, but have you seen the long, long trailer? No, that the the movie yeah. where they go in that camper. Yeah, I've seen parts of it. I'll it's say that. so good. It's so funny. Was that post I Love Lucy or uh, during? It was color. It was probably post. Yeah, probably post. Yeah. Quiet your mind. But not only did George split with his Superman role in 1958. He also split with his affair turned longtime girlfriend, Tony Mannix. Remember her? Mm-hmm. The show girl? Sure. And he got engaged to a young New York socialite named Lenore Lemon. Here's the deal, though, fellows. You're listening to me? Yep. It turned out. <laughs> I mean, I got headphones on. I know. You're being piped right into my ear canals. So, yeah, I'm listening. You could not be listening to me any more than you are right now. <laughs> are y'all listening? Yeah. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Good. It turned out that Mrs. Mannix was a little miffed at losing George as her lover. And he, mm. <laughs> yeah, and she got a little stalkerish on him. Uh-oh. In the months following their breakup, George was plagued with silent phone calls. His dog was abducted from his home. And he was even in a wreck that was determined to be caused by cut brake lines in his vehicle. Oh, man. What? Yeah, that sounds a little bit like Kim McElroy-ish, except it for the brake lines. Oh, yeah. man, he never thought about that. No, he probably did. He wasn't smart enough. No. (laughs) A lawyer probably told him to. (laughs) So, yeah, following these events, obviously, George filed a restraining order against his former lover, as we probably all would. But his new relationship with Lenore, it wasn't perfect. As so often is the case, she was young and hot, but also a little crazy and quick to violence. Mm. uh, Ivan, you put it perfectly. I don't know, like 30 episodes ago, you said, man... You like a crazy girl when you're younger because you think, man, what is she going to do next? But then when you're older with a crazy girl, you're like, oh, God, what is she going to do next? <laughs> did I say that? You did say that. Wow. That and sounds, it was beautiful. Sounds smart. kind of <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. 
Well, so by this point, George, he's 45 years old. And he said that being with her made him feel younger. But they were often seen arguing and the relationship seemed to be really dramatic. Mm, yeah. yeah. This brings us to the last day of George's life. And I know in the back of y'all's heads, guys, you're thinking, Jesus Christ, thank God we're almost done. <laughs> no, I'm still, I'm still back on the break line thing. <laughs> okay, it's like, ahead. so he gets the break line cut. So he like files a restraining order. Mm-hmm. You stay away from my car. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, it's probably valid, but you know, it's like attempted murder. You know, it's like, wouldn't there be more they could do? But I, as we notice in this podcast, sometimes um, there's not more they can do. It was literally reason. attempted murder. And the, yeah. the, yeah, the restraining order was like, Miss Mannix cannot enter within 150 feet of the 1948 Studebaker. <laughs> well, I guess I'm not allowed to kill him like I tried before because I got that pesky restraining order. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get a ticket. No, certainly not, Miss Mannix. But yeah, this is so finally, guys, finally, finally in this epic episode, this number well, 200. I'm not waiting on this guy to die. I hope you don't, I hope the listeners don't think that. Finally, finally, <laughs> we'll get to the point where he's going to die. No, I'm not <laughs> wanting that, but it's going to happen. The listeners probably are at this point. They're just like, kill the guy and get it over with so we can, we can understand what happened to him. That evening, George and his fiance, Lenore Lemon, had dinner at Chasen's Restaurant in West Hollywood. By all accounts, George was in good spirits. He and Lenore were eating, drinking lots of alcohol, and having a good time. Later that evening, the couple were back at their home at 1579 Benedict Canyon Drive in the Hollywood Hills. I shouldn't give out their address. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them might go back in time 60 years. Their friend Robert Condon was there as well, and after a few minutes, George went upstairs to his room for the night. So he's like, I'm out. I'm out, y'all. I'm going night-night. This is where the night's events split into several different theories as to how George was killed. The first and official version is as follows. Now, this is the official version. If you look it up, this is what it'll say. All right. Not long after George retired for the night, the doorbell rang, and it was William Bliss and Carol Von Ronkel, uh, two friends of theirs. Upon hearing this, George was very drunk by this time and agitated. He comes downstairs and he yells at them that he was in no mood for a party that night. I don't want any guests. After a short argument, it was apparently resolved and George goes back upstairs. This is what brings us to probably the most bizarre part of this story. This is the official story, by the way. Okay. At this point, while George was upstairs in his room or walking up to his room, Lenore turns to her guests and says, oh, he's going upstairs to shoot himself now. Mm. That's what she announced to everyone. Oh, he's going upstairs to shoot himself now. Mm. A minute later, there was a faint sound upstairs. And that's when Lenore said to everyone, oh, he's opening the drawer to get the gun now. And I'm not joking. This is official. Another awkward minute passed by and a shot rang out after which Lenore declared, see there, I told you, he just shot himself. Why did no one go try and stop him or check on him? Good question. I'm telling you the official story. Yeah. Oh, he's just going upstairs to grab the gun. Oh, that sound was him getting the gun. Oh, he just did it. I told you. Anyway, pass the cheese dip. It's so weird, isn't it? Is, it? it is very weird. Who 
does that? Yeah, I don't know. Let's let's do another version. Okay. I don't like that one. Let's try something else. <laughs> another version claims that Lenore had followed George upstairs, and once they got into the bedroom, they have this loud, intense argument. Okay. Well, yeah, because obviously there's witnesses to all this, right? Yeah, there's she's people telling. There. Yeah. There was people there that night. Yeah. So are these versions coming from different people that were there? Yeah. It must have dude, been some alcohol. It's weird. And other things. It's very weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do they all not have the same story? Well, here, the second version okay. is she follows him up there. They have a loud argument. And then not one, but several gunshots ring out. After which, Lenore runs back downstairs and tells everyone, this is what she says, hey, everyone, tell people I was down here, not up there. Okay. <laughs> That kind of, <laughs> well, I don't want to say that kind of makes sense, but the people protecting her would say, yes, they would add details into that first story to make it sound more believable. Like she was down here. The reason I know she's down here is because she said, oh, he's going upstairs to shoot himself. Right. Oh, there's the drawer. Oh, there's the shot. Right. So I guess that makes a little bit of sense. Maybe. Is there more stories or is it just those two? Um, that's really the two main ones. Uh, the second one is the Lenore killed George theory, but there's, well, okay, I Sam, there's another one in which the couple, they're arguing in the bedroom in this third theory, and then this one says they're arguing and George pulls a gun and commits suicide right in front of Lenore as okay. they're arguing. So, the okay. But that, that basically goes along with the second one. It well, could. Yeah. Uh, the, the second one just has a, a hint of maybe she killed him. Yes. But yeah. those are more aligned than the first one. The first one's poppycock. The yeah. three, yes. The three major ones are, like we said, the first one, you know, he goes upstairs and does it while she oddly narrates it to the people there. I think that was her story. Yes. Mm. The second one is she follows yeah. him up there, they argue, and then she basically kills him. I think that was half of the other story. The Everybody third one story. is she goes up there, they argue, and he kills himself in front of her while they argue. I think that was the other I mean, percentage of yeah, people. so I would say we'll never know what's true two or three. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We got this one, Joe. Well, okay, wait. Let's keep these three theories in mind and then let's talk about the evidence. Oh, yeah. We need some evidence, I guess. There's here's the evidence from the crime scene. So when police arrived, George was laying naked on his bed with a gunshot, one gunshot in his temple. Okay. There was a nine millimeter pistol on the floor between his feet. Left or right temple, Joe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a is good left or right handed as a left temple, but he's right handed. I think we, I, I, I do think we get to that. Suspect. We may get to that. You know, at first it sounds like a suicide. Like if you just walk up on a body, there's one shot in the temple and there's a, a gun at the floor at their feet. You kind of think suicide. Sure. But where things get weird is the fact that there was two other bullet holes in the floor and one in the ceiling, all from that same gun that killed George, the one at his feet. So there were several shots fired, not just one. So that lends to the second story where they hear, a, you know, several shots, not just one. And so here's another thing. One of the shell casings was found under, under his body. Now, I guess the only way that could work as far as suicide is if you're standing up and you shoot yourself and maybe the shell casing falls and then you fall on top of it. I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate there. Yeah. Well, the, I could see that. The shell would fall. I think faster than you yes, would. Yes, then yeah. you would. Yes, so that could think, happen. Yeah. I don't know. 
But, but, so as soon as you think that the suicide theory maybe makes sense, there was no gunpowder residue found on his hands. Mm. Now, what about the wife? Yeah, what about her hands? We, we're going to talk okay. about. Oh, they I don't lost know. that evidence, didn't they? They never even tested her hands. They never tested her at all. Amazing. That is crazy. Well, here's another thing. There was no powder burns on his body. So yeah, so it's from a distance. That's what I was about to ask. Exactly. Uh, if you commit suicide, you normally a person holds the gun, presses it to their head. This there was no powder burns. Is it confirmed there were other shots? The ceiling and the yes, floor? confirmed. Yes. Oh man, that's not looking good for. Her. I mean, she bam, 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 like shoots him from a distance. That's not looking good for. Her. We'll get this. Are, there's okay, more. Ahead. Okay, wait. There's more. Uh, are you curious as to whose fingerprints was found on the pistol? Yes. That killed him? None. There were no fingerprints on the pistol. You tell me how a dead man wipes down a pistol. There were no fingerprints. Zero. Yeah, that's not good. Why weren't her. his fingerprints on it? She could have wiped it down. No, she could have had gloves on. Yeah. That too. Here's the, here's the fact. George did not have gloves on. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you've just killed yourself, you can't wipe down a pistol. So there we are again. Or, or take gloves off. Or take gloves off. Gloves. <laughs> exactly. Or take gloves off and hide them. So George's blood was tested, and it revealed a staggering 0.27% alcohol level. Now, I think 0.4 is... Yours? <laughs> if I was at two, if I was at point two seven, I'd be unconscious. That's a perfect slam. Hey, I've been, I've been doing good for the past several minutes. Okay. Yes, you have. I have. You've planed out, man. I sucked it up, and I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sucking it up and getting through it. It was a great slam, though. Will you look at what the lethal or what the lethal dose? Well, there's lethal dose, and then there's also what's the dose that it starts to inhibit your. I don't know, driving and whatever else. Any any type of... Lowered it as of late, where it's super low now. Oh, really? Which, I mean, yeah, it probably should be, but... Well, 0.27, I think, is pretty high up there. Lethal is like, what? I'm thinking 0.4 or 0.6. Life-threatening is considered to be 0.3, oh, wow. 1 to 0.45. Dude, he was all poisoning. He was close at 0.27. Yeah. Life-threatening, my God. So, yeah, I mean, who's to say that at that rate, he couldn't be belligerent and threatening violence or so, of something, and then maybe it was sort of a self-defense thing? I don't know. I can say this. If you are that wasted, yeah, you might make decisions that you otherwise wouldn't if you were not impeded by alcohol or whatever substance. Sure, yeah. This says, according to University of Notre Dame, a blood alcohol concentration of 0.25 to 0.399 is considered to be alcohol poisoning. Oh, wow. So he was within that range. And a loss of consciousness can be expected at 0.4 coma and death due to respiratory arrest are possible. Okay, so he wasn't there yet, but he was within the alcohol poisoning. So he was super schnockered. Super. Wouldn't, you know, I've seen Dexter too. Couldn't you like find the a bullet in the floor? Can't you tell the direction that bullet came? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's even on uh, CSI. 
Yeah. Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. By the way it hits and the trail it leaves. And yeah. But they didn't have that kind of, I don't think, I just don't think they would have that back in 50. Doesn't seem like 55, it. Whatever I read was. nothing about like direction. Would, though. I, I mean, it, it seems like it's just kind of common sense. You know? I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not trying to crap on their profession. But, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like it's like, it's kind of a slanted Hole going right 45 degree angles, yeah, because so. they stick like little dowel rods yeah. in it and stuff, yeah. You know? yeah. I just that probably just came later. That's true. We'll never know which direction it was fired, there's no way to know, yeah. <laughs> like, hey, what about that stick? Stick it in the hole. Oh, see, <laughs> that's probably how that happened. Probably. Some guy with a super loud, annoying voice like that, and the chief was like, You're a genius. Yeah, exactly. Officer Dewey. <laughs> You're a genius. Someone go get me dowel rods from the local hardware store. <laughs> was that a Scream reference? Yeah, it was. Okay. It yeah. was Scream. Yeah. yeah, very good. Well, something else that's strange is the way Lenore Lemon relayed the news to her friend and George's former Superman co-star, Phyllis Coates. According to Phyllis, when Lenore called her, she simply said, he's dead. They found the bullet holes in the room. The gun's been wiped clean. And the sheets are in the wash. Whoa, why would you say that? Yeah, no shit! <laughs> that is the shadiest thing. Really? You're, he just dies? And you call your friend and he's like, oh, he's dead. There's bullet holes everywhere and the sheets are in the washer. It's, what the hell would you say that for? It's almost like you you were like writing these notes and you're like, man, I hope one of the boys says, <laughs> why would she say that? I'm going to jump his I'm ass. I'm going to get him. If he says that, I'll tell Hi you why. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Another strange detail. If you called me, if Ivan, that's true. If you called me and you said, oh, Jennifer's been shot. Oh, and by <laughs> the way, there's other bullet holes in the room and I've put all the sheets in the wash. I'd be like, um, you did it. Yeah. I'm calling the cops, bro. <laughs> I, it's not bros before hoes. When murder's involved, my friend, I'm hey, calling the police. Hey, what are you calling her? <laughs> no, you know no, what I mean. No, I get what you're <laughs> No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's crazy. It's nuts. That was such a weird... Uh... So another strange detail is that it reportedly took her over an hour to report George's death after it happened. Over yeah. an hour. Yeah. So when... Well, go ahead, Sam. I was Even with all those people there. Yes. Oh, yeah. Those people... Oh, that sounds like a little bit of a whole, like, okay, let's sit down and get our story straight. So... And then the they part. failed at that. Well, they didn't fail at that. Some of them succeeded at that. Probably some of the other ones are like, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not, not getting into this thing. The, you want to hear how Lenore explained it? Go. When, when the cops were like, hey, why did it take you an hour? This is what she said. She said, should have put the sheets in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> I had to clean the scene. Uh-uh. Wait, 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 wait. You're laughing. Is no, that true? She didn't really say uh, that. <laughs> I thought you meant... <laughs> I, I thought so too. I yeah, was like, is he cops, serious? They're like, why did it take an hour? Why did clean it up? Is he laughing because I was right? That's yeah, no, that's, yeah, exactly. No, this is what she said. Okay, so remember I men earlier I mentioned her friends Bill Bliss and Carol Von Ronkel that showed up? Sure. So they're each married. You said sure. You do remember. You'll remember. I, d I think I do. They're married, but to other people. Uh, okay. So they show up there together. Basically, they're having an affair and she didn't want anyone to know. So she was trying to like, she didn't want to out them to their But wait spouses. a second. Wouldn't a murder or, or wouldn't a death, not a murder, 
Freudian slip. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't a death trump that? Obviously, right? I mean, that's what you're getting at. Not unless you're Lenore Lemon. <laughs> Good answer. So, yeah, that's what she was saying. She was saying it took me an hour because, you know, my friends Bill and Carol, they're actually having an affair, and we were sitting there trying to think of a way to sure to tell this without outing them as being here together. Well, I mean, with a couple thing, you don't have to really dig into motives, though. I mean, it's a couple thing. Right. Like any one of 1,000 motives, you maybe for, forgot to wash the butter knife. <laughs> you know, come on. Could be anything. Well, and, and so let's revisit those strange remarks that, you know, that Lenore's story to the police was, you know, he walked up there and uh, the other people said, yeah, he walked up there and she said, hey, he's getting the gun. And then he killed himself. Right. Yes. I remember L- those Lenore. Remarks. So the police are like, hey, Lenore, why'd you say that? Yeah. What'd she say? Uh, she said she was, quote, only kidding. <laughs> it was just a remarkable coincidence. One in a million. <laughs> oh. There that it actually goes. happened. He shot himself. <laughs> <laughs> she said, hey, I was only funning around. It just happens to be an incredible coincidence that he actually did it when I was joking about it. It's crazy. What a prankster. <laughs> joking about her husband killing himself. He showed her. Yeah. So. The last laugh. Well, maybe he didn't. <laughs> Lenore did something else that was strange the next day. Now, I just think this lady was nuts. Okay. After the police had taped off the scene and left, she broke through the tape to get into the house. Why, you may ask? Why do you think she broke into broke through the police tape to get back into the crime scene? To get her sheets out of the dryer or move them over <laughs> from the washer to the dryer. Don't forget the dryer sheets. She had a toaster that she liked that she wanted to. Okay, here's get. the here's the real reason. I don't know. There was some food and alcohol in the fridge that she wanted to grab. Yeah, so the, about the same as what I said. And donkulous. And a stack of traveler's checks George had already signed before his death. So she grabbed those two. Get that cash. Plausible. Then she split town, and she didn't even attend George's memorial service. Mm. So that was it. Yeah. So uh, thank you. Listen, listen, everyone listening for episode 200. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us throughout all this. This is the last paragraph. As for the police investigation, no photos were taken of the scene and they seemed to settle on the suicide theory immediately. No one was brought in for questioning. The old three bullet suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, I forgot. That was for police work. (laughs) No one was brought in for questioning, not even Lenore. And other than the brief conversations police had with those present that night, they were never called again. So, the official cause of death, all these years later, still remains suicide. Now, I'm going to ask you all, what do you think? Well, you know, that whole thing, third time's a charm. He missed once, hit the floor, missed second time, hit the ceiling, and he- then he... And then he got the temple without leaving any powder burns on his skin. He was super drunk, I'll say that. What if he was so drunk that he missed his own head <laughs> a few times? Yeah, but 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 how, I mean, just like stick it up to your temple and you can feel the thing and then it's... Yeah. But no gun residue and no fingerprints yes. on the gun. Yes. And it was from a distance. Yeah. yeah. He was so drunk he didn't leave fingerprints. Wow, that's a new level of drunk. Coming out of his skin. That's... <laughs> it washed, the alcohol washed off the prints. <laughs> All the oils were contaminated with Pure alcohol. I can hear the the detective being like, he was so drunk, he didn't even leave prints. The other one's like, 
wow, that's super drunk. That's really drunk, sir. Is that possible? Is that possible? I don't know. We don't do any, we don't have any uh, scientific investigation processes to even know that's true. So let's call that true. Oh. Where did you say the gun was lying in Great reference to his body? So he was lying on the bed, kind of feet draped down, like bent at the knees, feet draped down. His body's on the bed. The nine millimeter pistol was between his feet on the floor. Mm. Unless he was leaned over. He was sitting on the edge of the bed, leaned over. I don't know. I don't know. But why were there several other, other bullet holes? Hey, how many bullet holes are you in y'all's house? Probably none. Very few. <laughs> Very few. I'd so say four or five minimum. <laughs> or maximum, sorry. That's what I'm saying. That's not normal. Why was there three or four other bullet holes in the damn room? It's a rough neighborhood. Very few. <laughs> Ivan is I don't crazy. Know how, I don't know. I, <laughs> I've never really seen a suicide scene, but would your hand release the gun completely or would the gun still be in your hand? I was under the impression and I don't know where I'm getting this, that something like that makes you grasp and not release. That's what I thought. I mean, if someone out there is way smarter than us, call the hotline, text the hotline, 4174-MANTIS. What is it? 467 I don't know. I forgot the number. Whatever. Use your little dial pad thing. I forgot already. I remembered it for like two weeks in a row. (laughs) Uh, 417, number four, Mantis. Mantis. I was trying to think of like how it is in TV shows and movies even when when there's a suicide, but. Okay, I can say this. Who knows if that's, you know, accurate. Yeah. But still. I've mentioned this video before on you. It's on YouTube, oddly enough, or it used to be. Don't watch it for the love of Christ. Ed Dwyer? Bud Dwyer. Or Bud. Bud Dwyer. So it it was a televised suicide. It was in the middle of the day. And this man was holding a press conference. He'd just been indicted on, like, not racketeering, but bribery charges. And he was probably innocent. He was. It turned out he was. So he was holding this press, press conference because he'd been found guilty. And I guess he was about to go to jail. He was a politician. He was, like, 55 or something. And he's talking and he's saying, you know, this was a, a gulag against me and I'm innocent of all charges. And he hands out envelopes to each, pe- you know, several people. And then he grabs this manila envelope and pulls out a pistol. And he says, like, this may disturb some people at home don't or something to that effect. And he shoots himself. But he drops it immediately, if I remember correctly. Uh, now, I don't want to watch it again because it screwed with me. The following suicide yeah. might be disturbing to younger viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I don't want to make a joke of the guys. No, it was insane. And as far as I remember, he immediately dropped the pistol and went down. Oh, so he did. As far as I remember, like I said, I'm not watching it again, but that's pretty solid. I mean, yeah. as far as like, I mean, sample size of one, but that's what we're talking about. If you want to make it a sample size of two, uh, also the Kurt Cobain suicide. For those of you that believe he committed suicide, there's a lot of, there's conspiracy theories. <laughs> I don't want to watch, but text it to the hotline somewhere. Yeah. Those things as I'm getting older, I can't watch them. They haunt my brain for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, exactly. I'm like walking around, like birds are chirping and all of a sudden, suicide, death, mayhem, violence. Yeah. You know, get yeah. pop in my head and I'm like, no, I can't enjoy life if I watch things like that. that so I don't. That's why I won't watch the Bud Dwyer video again. But with Kurt, I believe the shotgun was still on his chest, but his, his arms were out suggesting that they immediately just fell to the side. So, But to fall at his feet, 
It's very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because I know how rockets work. And like, you would think it would like pop. And then be over away. to the side. Yeah. yeah. Plus, like well, you yeah, guys. Yeah, the recoil of the gun. Right. Yes. You know. There's some there, even on a small handgun. Yeah. Obviously. And was he standing or sitting? He was sitting on the edge he of the bed. Was, so, they yeah. believe when it happened. Um, I mean, what does the blood say? What does the blood splatter say? Yeah, there was no... No, no information. That's so crazy. But Not there's no prints on the gun. Yeah. There's no fingerprints on the gun. Yeah. That just doesn't magically happen. So I don't know. There you go. There. But, okay, so let's say it was a suicide. Okay, I could see a scenario, if, if I'm just going to play devil's advocate again, mm-hmm. where he's pressing hard against his temple because he knows what he's about to do and it's super stressful situation. Yeah. So he's pressing hard, does the shot, maybe the force of his muscle, you know, actually thinking of the act, he like pushes into his body and the gun falls down. Yeah. And the fingerprint thing, maybe if they're not going to even take photos of the crime scene, could some guy like spend just a minute? Oh, I didn't find anything. Because they already think it's a suicide. They don't check it, really. Yeah. That's true. a good point. I also, just to lend more towards the suicide theory, I did read there is a theory that maybe there was no powder burns found on him or his hands because they didn't test for that very much uh, back yeah. then. So maybe all we, the only information we have is there was none found. Maybe it wasn't there tested was, Yeah, for. maybe it wasn't even collected. Yeah, exactly. You can't so, find what you're not looking for. That's a possibility. So yeah. there may have been powder there we don't know yeah who knows i yeah. don't know yeah still the other shots don't make sense yeah exactly uh, then see anytime you think that like okay it's probably suicide there's something else yeah. the other shots unless unless he's in a very agitated state he's very yeah. drunk and he Let's shoots see. the gun around sure. first can i say this i just yes. want to i just want to this is joey's this is joey hall's version of this i think that george was in a dark place i think he was very drunk and if you're that inebriated, you're going to make maybe decisions that you wouldn't make otherwise. I think he went upstairs. I think he simply committed suicide. Now, I think there were no gun, no fingerprints found because they didn't test it. Like you, what you said. Yeah. I think they didn't test it. I think they walked up there. I think it was the 50s and they walked up and they saw a guy laying there with the gun between his feet and the wife's downstairs saying she, that he did it. So they're like, that's all we need to know. But I think over the years, over 50, 60 something years since then, the story has morphed from, you know, there was, all they're saying is there were just no fingerprints found. There was no gunpowder residue found. What, you know, I think that's because that was not tested for. Yeah. It was pretty open shot when I walked up there. I think the dude just walked up there. Now, as for the other shots around, maybe he was in a manic state and he fired other shots. Now, one thing I cannot explain is the lack of fingerprints, unless it was, like I said, they just didn't test. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he just went up there. Uh, you know, like Sam, you, you, no, Ivan, you've said it before. Usually the most simple, logical answer is the correct one. Zuckum's razor. Yes. So I, I think Superman walked up there and just put a gun yeah. to his head, man. It well, was just that simple. Since we've had a lot of fun at the expense of him, I will say that from <laughs> watching the show, I always thought he was a really cool Superman back when I was a kid. He was great. Even though it was black and white. I mean, and even then, it was kind of cheesy, but I watched those, and I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Remember the uh, special effects of him, like, yes. flying? <laughs> and every time he took off, it was like, <laughs> yes. It was like crazy wind, which the science back set up at high altitudes. The wind is actually uh, more severe than down on the ground. So, 
So yeah, it could make But what about sound. taking off those wind sounds? You know, as people are like, is he farting? Is that like how he gets his <laughs> momentum? What's happening? He probably just, yeah, it's probably from a Superman style jump. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's a lot of momentum made right there in, in that kickoff. You know, the saddest part of it all is from what I read, George Reeves always wanted to be known as like a movie star. He did not want to be known. It would kill him. If he could look back or look in the future and see that he was just known as the Superman guy, because he 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 honestly did not care for that role. He kind of resented it the whole time. Yeah, but maybe if he would have lived to be older, maybe he would have realized that that was pretty pioneering. It was really pioneering. I yeah. mean, uh, well, they didn't have superhero shows at that point. I don't think. I mean, unless you count like you know a cowboy show as a superhero. I mean, I don't really. I mean, that's a cowboy show. Yeah, it was I mean, 1951. I yeah, I don't know. Were there anything? We, did you did you look that up? I Were didn't there look. anything before? But anyway, I mean, I can't think of any. So I mean, it had to be pioneering. I mean, yeah. we were kind of in agreement with that. So he might have looked at it better later. He did a lot of extra stuff as Superman, like during. Uh, oh, it was like all kinds of stuff. He'd be like, "Buy war bonds." I'm Superman. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing some of those. Yeah, he would clips. do those shorts yeah. like that. Or yeah. like, you know, children, remember to brush your teeth thoroughly before bed. I'm Superman or whatever yeah. it was. You know, so I don't know. I mean, he leaned into he it. He was some. the first superhero show. Okay, cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And look at what he started. Now, now in 2022, 2021, 2020, 2019, every goddamn movie that comes out <laughs> is a superhero movie. Yeah. I'm kind of getting, I, I like them, but I'm kind of getting out of them as I get a little bit older. I mean, like some of them are kind of done well. I mean, the, the Dr. Strange is my favorite Marvel one. Uh, it's a good movie. It re- you'd like it, Joe. I Benedict promise. Cumberbatch. Yeah. Yeah. You'd I like it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I think Joe, you'd probably like that. And I think he, he would like, uh, what's another Marvel one he'd probably like. Um, Ant-Man, Ant-Man, you'd love hey, it. Yeah. Paul Rudd. Ant-Man, yes. Yeah. I would love anything with Paul yeah, Rudd. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this though. You know, you guys know as well as anybody. When I was a kid, I was a gigantic comic book nerd. Sure. I mean, I had hundreds and hundreds of comic books. I mm-hmm. gave them all to my sister a few years ago. Yeah. But, uh, and I loved the first few Marvel movies, but son of a Bitch, I just feel like you're getting waterboarded with Marvel movies well, just pounded. I, I mean, I don't like all of them. Years obviously. ago, I stopped. I haven't seen the. I haven't seen a Marvel like superhero movie since like 2010. I was yeah. just like, holy shit, I'm done. If you dare watch Doctor Strange, the first one, yeah, do not, do not watch Doctor Strange two. <laughs> Why because is that? then you will hate it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it went through it, the beginnings okay but it just went through a bunch of different directors yeah. and it was kind of doomed for failure did Cumberbatch I mean, come back yeah I mean yeah I mean it, in his performance there's nothing wrong with it okay it's just way and I and I like multiverse stuff yeah but it's just way it goes way to multiverse and okay. it's just does it just get convoluted where you're yeah, just like what's even happening yeah the kind of like that okay. and and some of it's like super predictable. Nothing against anyone that made it, but I'm just going to say, you know, the, the jury's out on that and everyone's like, ah, it's not great. Uh, there'll never be another multiverse movie better than Jet Li, the one or one. Oh, see, I've never seen that. Oh, that's amazing. Where, yeah. Yeah. Where there's thousands of universes and he exists in each one. And I guess one of them has found out that if he kills 
Oh, other yeah. versions. Maybe I have seen that. He gets more, like, the, the fewer like there Jet are, Li. the more powerful he gets. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. it's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. I think I have seen that, actually. Yeah, I bet you have. It's great. So, hey, guys, have we finally came to the end of mercy. episode we 200? Made we made it. <laughs> I just look, I just want to tell you this. I, I have a really legitimate fear that after Sam stops recording, he's going to tell me that he doesn't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I can see it in his face. So 200 was the last one. Episode 201 might be me and Ivan from my garage. I don't know yet, but no. we'll we'll get to that. But I can give you this promise. Hey, we do have to admit that I I pulled it back together and wound it. I got back together in the last half, right? Can we say that? You came back for the fourth quarter. Yes. We squeaked it out with the last second field goal. Thank you. I don't even know what that means, but I'm, I was, that's what I was about to say. He's not understanding anything. I think it's saying. good. That was for everyone out good. there. I think that's good what Ivan said. But anyway, <laughs> I think it's good. I'm giving Sam a no alcohol promise for the rest of the year. Next two months, bro. That's two months, man. Be happy. But January, January. He, he can't make any First one January, I'm going to be fucking shit face. <laughs> well, Joe's unconscious. Boy, he really made up for those two dry months, didn't he? No, I'm kidding. He's almost in Superman territory. <laughs> 2.25. No, I won't do that to you, Sam. But anyway, thank you all for listening tonight. Uh, I bet the folks are going to love it. Call 417-4MANTIS. Did you enjoy it or not? Or text it. Or text it. Anyways, thank you for listening. Episode 200. Sam, have fun editing this one. I love you very much. No alcohol for two more months till uh, January of 2023. We'll see you on the other side. Thank you all for listening. Good night. Let me tell you about some fellas I know named Ivan, Sam, and Joe. They got themselves a little podcast, you know. They talk about everything under the sun that they find interesting, spooky, or fun. They sure ain't trying to impress no one. The remedy to too much time on your hands is take a little listen to the dawn of mantis. They talk about killers, monsters, and cults. French mates from hell, disappeared folks. Occasionally throw in a few dad jokes. They try to make every story extra nice by adding their own ginger spice. Not one time or two, but thrice. The remedy to too much time on you hands is Take a little listen to the dawn of Manti Now I'm sure these fellas will be around for quite a spell Cause there sure ain't no shortage of stories to tell Cause this old world's as weird as hell But hell, even if nobody listens they'd maintain a fine disposition cause shooting the breeze is kind of their mission the remedy to too much time on your hands is take a little listen to the dawn of mantis the remedy to too much time on your hands is take a little listen to the dawn of mantis
心。